Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Workers Mike here on 720 WGN. We are powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. I am Ed Maher from the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And joining me today, we've got Phil Davidson from the Mid America Carpenters Regional Council. Happy Sunday. Hey, good morning, Ed. Happy Sunday to you as well. And uh, Ken's not going to be here today, or he's, I think he's going to come in later. He's out uh, chopping down his. Uh, the Ken Edwards family uh, holiday tree, from what I understand. Yeah, family tradition. Every year he goes up to the uh, woods of northern Wisconsin. Yeah, puts on his boots and his, his flannel. And from what I understand, he just, with his bare hands, rips a tree out of the yeah, he's, he's pretty, uh, he's, he's very rugged, as our listeners know. And yeah. as they also know, he's just a man of many talents. He's a fisherman. He's a cave dweller. He cuts down trees. He does well, it all. He rips out trees, but in fairness, it's <laughs> probably not going to be a very big tree. No. Not. So, but uh, I think he's going to join us uh, later on. It'll in be a the sapling. Show. A sapling. That's not bad. I yeah. mean, a lot of roots there. You yeah. ever try ripping a tree out of the ground? Uh, it's been a while. Not as easy as it looks. No. Um, but anyway, anyway, we'll have uh, we'll have Ken in in a little while. Um, so anybody listening can't see this magnificent red scottish tartan holiday jacket that you'll, phil's yeah, wearing you'll today. have to go to the youtube for that you're looking great today thank you very much it must be uh just a, in the holiday spirit doing some holiday partying around the neighborhood or something or absolutely i mean it's the one time a year i can dust this baby off and uh i'm real proud of it it's a wow. family heirloom it's uh also an homage to al Chervik, of course from caddyshack There's, yeah yeah it so. does seem like something that he might have or, or would have worn yeah the dinner party yeah well, it brings, it brings me to a topic that I thought was kind of fun that I was reading about this week, and that is uh, holiday parties. And for all the workers out there listening, some of you still have holiday parties. Yeah. Um, they went the way of the dinosaur during COVID, and I think some companies saw it as an opportunity maybe not to bring them back afterward because, I mean, let's be honest, there's a lot of liabilities with holiday parties. Yes. I've been the cause of many of them myself, so I understand as well as anyone. Yeah, a couple protection orders, but hey. Yeah, you know, these, these you gotta get your money's worth of these things, things. Some things get broken, some feelings <laughs> maybe get hurt, I leave a few more scraps of my dignity floating around. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there was uh, a, a column put out this week that I thought was interesting by a woman named Elaine Swan from Swan's School of Protocol, which seems like something from, you know, a Charles Dickens novel. Yeah, it almost sounds like Emily Post or something. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it was how to survive a holiday party, and I think this could be useful information for uh, for anybody out there that still uh, have has one coming up. And is this from like an HR perspective, or just from a lady giving you this advice? Is, this is the the this is from a school of protocol. Okay, so school I'm, of protocol. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking this is like you know think of the training that the royals go through in <laughs> England, where you know it's all about uh, observing every manner. I think this is what this woman's wheelhouse really is. So. Okay, so this is like debutante rules. Yeah. Okay. So for debutantes like me that are trying to be the belle of the ball, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the number one rule, of course, is don't make a spectacle of yourself. Okay. But uh, surprisingly enough, the number two rule is don't be absent. Like, you have to show up. That's a fine line right there. I agree. So the, what, she's, what she basically says is a holiday party should be approached almost like an extension of a job interview. Because okay. if it goes badly for you, it can cost you advancement. It can cost you, like, landing the big account. Uh, so you have to show up because people notice who's part of the team, and it creates opportunities, of course, for everyone to interact in ways that are different than you usually would at the office. Uh, you know, you add in a bunch of alcohol and music, and you know, after hours and um, and whatnot. But uh, 
But they say, don't be a spectacle. Don't wind up being the guy with the, on the table with the lampshade on your head. No. What about this sport coat, though? Would that be too much? No, no. Is the, that, I think it? the sport coat is, is good. Okay. They actually talk about it. I feel like I might be a spectacle, though. No, I think you're, I think you're right in the, the sweet spot here. Okay, because <laughs> the dress code is an important thing. Oh, and yeah. It brings up point number two. She reminds to not, uh, not wear you know, a, a dress or a shirt that's cut all the way down to your belly button, which is a problem for me because that's typically what I like to wear around the holidays. Yeah, you like I, to air it out a little bit. I like to show a little belly button from time to time, <laughs> and the holidays seem like a good time, but now that I've read this, I'm probably going to have to um, rethink that or put on some sort of an yeah. undershirt. Undershirts around the holidays No mistletoe shirts. Yeah, perhaps I'll just dust off the old tuxedo t-shirt and bring yeah, that out. Yeah, that's a good one. Everybody always loves that. Yeah, crowd pleaser, yep. Yeah, um, but uh, but the idea of you have to show up because people are ta- you know it's it's a social situation, but people are taking notice of who there who's there and who's not there. Yeah. Um, so conversation, you know, if you show up to this party and you're like, what do what do I do? I can't just you know pound vodka Red Bulls all night long because that would be breaking rule number one. So I've got to talk. So the recommendation is don't talk too much about work. Okay. Right. But if you have to talk about work compliment people on uh you know an achievement or something like that so uh like i would compliment you on your jacket or your beard i mean i look at a beard like that as an achievement yeah those are two achievements for me i cannot achieve that beard but you can so you know i'm aiming low there all right it's aiming pretty high. I mean, that's not a that's not <laughs> yeah, a Yeah, you got a nice jacket, nice beard. There you yeah, go, Phil. And you do a great job. Hey, Good job, Phil. There it is. What about does it say anything about the appropriateness level of conversation? Uh yeah, I mean it says talk about safe topics like ask people if they're going on vacation. I mean okay. typical typical small talk. Okay. So this um, this would be hard for Ken, I feel like. I think Ken hasn't been to a holiday party in many, many years <laughs> and that was his decision because he's uh you know, he was old, being censored. The old adage, know thyself. Yeah, I think he knows himself. So he d- did stop going to holiday parties a long time ago. But um, but yeah, the the trend in holiday parties is you see somebody else take it a little bit over the line. And then you figure like, huh, well, I'll take it a little bit over the line. And yeah. it just seems to rapidly escalate. As okay. many of us have probably borne witness in the past. I know I certainly know exactly how that works. Um so, Does but, it say anything about uh, food intake? How much, how little to eat, <laughs> how how many dips you should be uh, no, there dwelling was, upon? Yeah. There was nothing about that. I mean, okay. I think uh, that's like lesson number two, or maybe Swan School of Protocol. Uh, they want they're not going to give away too much for free. So okay. you want to know about the food? You probably you got to pay for up. that. Yeah, yeah, and it goes in. There's like a package deal with that and the book on your head. Yeah, not a walk with the book on your head, which I feel like you could probably already do. But okay, my you know. one rule at parties is uh, no sitting at the dip table. No sitting at the dip table. Yeah, because sometimes in like a smaller house or apartment, like. You know, they'll, they'll make do, and they'll have chairs around the table, and it's the same table their dips are. And when someone's sitting at that table, then I got to be – it's very awkward for me, I think, because I like a lot of dips. I bet you do. I dip hard. And so if I try to get up there, I'm like – it just feels awkward. I'm always, like, interfering with them, and then they keep looking like, is this, is this all this guy does is eat dip all night? So uh, I just appreciate – just don't sit at the dip table. Let me have that moment to myself, please. So the answer is, yeah, this guy does just eat dip all night. <laughs> I did part. I prefer I neighborhood and like friend holiday parties yeah. where at least if the conversation dries up, I can go wander around looking for a dog or something. There you go. You know, there's always that guy at the party who's sitting on the stairs just playing with the dog and not yeah, talking to anybody. Yeah, it's nice. I, I, try, I try to be that guy. Yeah. In most nice, cases, I like dogs more than people. Nice diversionary tactic there. Yeah. 
So um, we've got a, a lot of things to cover in the show today. We're going to have uh, a guest, and that's Tom Bernstein, the administrator of the Midwest Operating Engineers Benefit Funds. Great guy. Uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to having him in. Uh, so we'll take a quick commercial break, and we will be back after this right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back to The Worker's Mic on WGN 720. I'm Phil Davidson with the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council, here with my good buddy Ed Maher mm-hmm. from Local 150. And we are uh, going to talk about a topic that was some big news this week. Uh, Microsoft has decided that they are going to be uh, remain neutral uh, and any union organizing efforts by its U.S.-based employees, if I'm correct on that one? That's right, yeah. and that is big news. Um, Microsoft and the AFL-CIO came out this week. The AFL-CIO, the American Federation of Labor, it oversees. It's like the umbrella group that uh, that is above all of um, you know all the international unions. They're all members of that. Um, so it's an acronym that pretty much represents the American labor movement. Uh, so they have reached an agreement with Microsoft, which really is. Um, is surprising to me, uh, and I'm trying to find the catch, but I can't seem to find it. Uh, it seems like just a, a legitimately very, very good sort of uh, progressive deal, and uh, it relies. It's a tech, tech and labor partnership yes. between Microsoft and the FLCIO. What, was and, it tied to the video game deal? So, it, uh, so we'll, we'll get to that. But okay. it's, it basically accomplishes four things, um, and it. But part, was that the impetus for it, though? Was we say the catch? I, I think so. That was okay. that was something um, in 2022 last year. Microsoft was trying to buy, uh, finalize its uh, purchase of this company, Activision, and then one other smaller video game company maker. And I think they didn't want uh, any reasons for people to oppose this. So yes. they allowed the or they they took a neutral stance with Activision employees. These are the video game makers who were represented. They wanted to be represented by the Communication Workers of America. Okay. So they wanted to form a union and Microsoft said, "We'll stay neutral," which is a big deal because as we see with most companies, if Starbucks workers want to form a union, Starbucks doesn't stay neutral. Starbucks mm-hmm. hires every union buster they that it can find. It. Yes. And uh, just gets in and it's rare to you know, find a Fortune 100 company, I mean, biggest companies in the world, to actively embrace the idea of at least being neutral for unions. I for mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, most most companies in reality are not going to say, we encourage our employees to form a union. But yeah. sort of the, the next best thing and the best realistic option is just saying, if you want one, we're yeah. not going to fight you. We're not gonna if you want to vote, way. you take an honest vote, and we're not going to try to sway it. So yes. that was what Microsoft had done last year with... Uh, with these Activision employees. So what they did now focuses more, uh, it's it's an extension of that, but it's also, uh, it focuses on the growing concern of workers with uh, emerging AI. Yes. So, and this is very noteworthy because Microsoft is the biggest investor in OpenAI, which developed ChatGPT. And I think so far you could, you know, pretty easily say that they're the most advanced uh, AI technology that's that's you know probably accomplished the most so yeah, far. Yeah, they're the they're the household <coughs> excuse me they're the household name when it comes to AI. To choke on some mistletoe over I there. I did. Sorry Take about that. Easy. Too much eggnog. Yeah. So the uh, so this uh, deal does four things. Uh, one, it'll share info on emerging AI trends with labor leaders, and the idea is that you know union leaders can understand what's coming, so they can prepare their workforce and have you know a bilateral conversation about how to um, you know how to keep workers in the mix. Uh, two, it incorporates workers' perspectives on AI, which means, you know, just 
the labor side can communicate what the concerns of workers and both sides have said that they recognize that AI should support workers, should help workers, should yes. make workers' jobs easier uh, rather than just re- trying to replace workers. Um, the third is it'll uh, they're going to try to help shape public policy um, that uh, will accomplish this goal to use AI to augment workers to okay. you know because as I've said on this show before. You know, when I was a kid, I watched the Jetsons, and they had Rosie, that robot maid. Oh, yeah. And it was like, cool, if we ever get to a place in society or civilization where we have robots or, you know, artificial intelligence, it can make our lives easier. But, you know, I think the fear that's driving this is that it's just going to put people out of work, which, uh, you know, seems like kind of a raw deal. Um, so that, you know, again, is what kind of brings us to all this. And then the fourth piece of this is a neutrality agreement. And, again, that is Microsoft saying – Hey, 100,000 American workers, if you want to join a union that falls under the umbrella of the AFL-CIO, we're not going to oppose you. If you want a union, have an election. If that's what you want, we'll negotiate, which is, again, just a a really, really big deal. And uh, I think it sets an interesting precedent, especially in the tech space. Yes. Um, With one of the leading tech companies, one of the leading companies in America. In the world, yeah. Right, to be doing this. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think it puts pressure on other companies that have, you know, like the Starbucks and perhaps like the Teslas who, you know, take a very adversarial um, approach toward unions. Microsoft is just saying, hey, if this is what you want, because they're, I think they're seeing the trends with the American workforce that people do want unions, that um, people want a better deal at work. Even if it doesn't come in the form of a union, sometimes they'll talk about forming a union in the hope that their employer will start to, you know, loosen up their pocketbook or give some extra vacation time or whatever, other workplace benefits or, you know, enhanced conditions. So Microsoft has just come out and said that they are, um, that they're going to do this and, uh, you know, follow the principles from their deal last year and just make this a policy, one of their pillars of their company moving forward. Um, And it's, it's something that I can't really think of there being a precedent for, no, and yeah, you better believe other companies in the tech world are going to be following this uh, this precedent that they set and and uh, seeing what opportunities. And and I wonder, you know, speaking of the multinational, largest companies in both America and the world, Starbucks has softened their stance slightly uh, with unions. We know that they've been pretty anti-union over these last five, six, seven years when mm-hmm. when some of their stores began organizing. But uh, they recently sent uh, a letter to um, Workers United. Saying that you know they like to go come to the bargaining table, and now granted, like obviously there's ulterior motives here, but you wonder if more and more companies start to see that um, you know the the biggest companies again in the world are starting to soften their stance and recognize uh, you know bargaining efforts on behalf of their employees that maybe this is a trend that'll continue, yeah. um, which would be uh, you know beneficial for everybody. And Starbucks, you know, they got their their hand slapped recently because I think they closed. 23 stores um that were uh half of which were union and um you know starbucks claimed that no 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 that had nothing to do with them being union stores but uh the nlrb uh begged to differ and so now there's trying to be a force in action to reopen those stores um but again it's it's no time to break out the champagne and, and celebrate starbucks but it seems like there's incremental progress being made which is really what this you know labor movement is all about you don't, you don't get everything overnight it's it's a long uphill battle yeah i mean starbucks came out and said we want to you know 
we want to move past this log jam yeah. and and start moving again. Not not mentioning, of course, that this log jam, the the stop, the impasse has been caused by their unwillingness to meet to negotiate. Of course, of course. Like we want to we want to get moving on this. Yeah. And uh, but they don't mention that the reason that it hasn't been moving is is because of them. But but yeah, to your point, I mean, Starbucks in at the end of 2021, there were zero organized Starbucks. At the end of 2022, there were 250. Yeah. And right now, there are more than 375. And progress, baby. So there, there's momentum here. And yeah. I think Starbucks is, is soon enough going to realize that they can't just put their fingers in their no, ears and ignore no. this. No, and they've, they're have they savvy. I mean, they know everything is about you know their, their perception and their brand. And um, I think they recently did an audit in, in they're realizing that trying to be obstinate and fighting the unions is not good for their overall bottom line. And they're probably just really like, look, this is this this makes sense not only for the betterment of our workers, but also just for you know our financial health and our uh, our position as a market leader. Of we want to be seen as being friendly to our employees and not someone trying to fight people trying to make a livable wage. Yeah, and if you, <laughs> you have know? other big companies that are taking a friendly stance, then workers are going to start looking there. I mean, Microsoft doesn't currently operate any coffee shops. But, no, but maybe that's an idea. Yeah, you know, uh, Bill Gates. I know you're not with Microsoft, but if you're listening, and I know that you are coffee shops they're in seattle yeah ai can't uh, can't serve coffee so no nope. put your people out there and uh take on starbucks yeah correct but uh speaking of ai serving coffee or serving food Ooh, there's nice a segue. funny yeah you like that there's a funny story about uh who eats hardy's uh probably nobody who's living past the age of 40 but um well, hardy's, let's not be Carl's too judgmental Jr. there but oh, go ahead have you eaten hardy's <laughs> Uh, it's been a while, you're right. But yeah. Carl's Jr., which I think is the same company. I think so. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not hating on Hardee's or Carl's yeah. Jr. I'm yeah. just saying that every time I've ever eaten in my life, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. Yeah, they're known for that. Yeah. but uh, So they were toying with uh, AI software in their drive throughs Correct. Yeah. they. Um, I think they started at the year this year or last year as a way to obviously automate the drive through system and um, reduce you know, jobs that are driven by humans uh, at their stores. And uh, there was a story, I'm not sure who broke it, I saw it in Bloomberg, that said that um, at the stores where they are operating and and testing uh, the AI drive-through menus, uh, like 70% of them are being operated on the back end by humans, uh, several of whom are working in the Philippines and uh, and other, uh, other countries. So, um, it's kind of funny that you know this whole idea of oh no we're 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 all consumed with the idea that AI is going to take over thing and replace humans and uh, there's going to be some truth to that and, mm-hmm. and certainly that that uh, revolution is is uh, impending. Well, we've got to take a quick break, but uh, Tom Bernstein from the Midwest Operating Engineers is going to be in when we're uh, when we come back. So stay with us here on the Workers Mike on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. And sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting here with me is Ed. Um, and, and we're lucky uh, to be chatting with Tom Bernstein, the fund administrator for uh, Local 150's Health and Welfare Fund. And, and Tom, we, we were about to get into, um, you know, we're talking about the different legs of a stool when you retire, right? Um, and, you know, Ed has always said, it's not just Social Security. It was never meant to be the sole you know, carrier for you for the rest of your life. It was supposed to be one leg of the stool. And the even, rest, even the guy who started 401k plans has done interviews for the last 10 years saying, 
I'm sorry for how this has turned out. This was never supposed to be some right. sole source of retirement income. Well, well, you know, when they started Social Security, you started it, you collected it at age 65. Right. The average death, uh, age of death was like 66 or 67. Yeah. And so it was just like a couple of years, mm-hmm. right? And now what's the average? Uh, we're, we're talking in the 80s now. Wow. A little bit longer if you're a female. Uh, Is that right? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Darn them. <laughs> they got to outlive you, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so, um, so yes, we have a we have a pension. It's a defined benefit plan, um, meaning that you put in X number of years at X number of dollars, and you get Y period. The end. That's the calculation. You don't have to worry about the stock market going up or down. You just get that same amount. Period. The end. And like you said, the average guy is getting about five grand and change. And if your tax bracket is low and you got your social security on top of that, plus a couple other things we're about to talk about, you're living a very nice retirement well yeah and i like your stool analogy it's one of those things where in retirement the more legs you can sit on the more comfortably you sit right that's a good so point you, yeah you've got your pension if you got social security if you have other benefits our members have access to subsidized retiree coverage today uh so that that really helps that's the number one expense in retirement by the way is your health care yeah that makes no sense question. so so tom before we get into the 401k let's go back to health insurance for a second we have uh what's called a retiree medical savings plan Right? Yes. Explain that. So we started this back in 2007. It's a separate account that gets funded based on contributions from your employer. And that money is set aside so that when you retire, you can afford health care. You could afford your premiums. You could pay your Medicare premiums. You could afford uh, other items such as long-term care. Uh, That money is there to make sure that you have dollars to fund your medical expenses in retirement. How much does that cost the member? Nothing. Right. I mean, they're, they're working, they're getting an, an hourly contribution. We collect that money. We build it up for them. We'll pay a 4% dividend on it every year. Wow. And then when they go to retire, they, they can spend it on qualified medical expenses. Is it tax-free? It's tax-free going in, tax-free coming out. And, and it earns interest tax-free. Yes. Triple tax deferred. Triple tax. That's a good way to look at it. Right. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. And when I left 150, uh, I had a chunk of money sitting in my bank that knock on wood, um, I'll never have to actually physically pay for health insurance if I do my numbers right, or if I die, you know, in time. <laughs> I'm not going to get to let's 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 call it what it is. I ain't getting to eighty. You know, you 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 build a lot of life into your early years. <laughs> Listen, that's that's also why I think women might live a little bit longer. Cause I've had know, a good run. Young men are yeah. notoriously stupid. So we so we have that right. So so now we have we have a pension. We have health insurance while you're working. We have retiree health insurance. We have a means of subsidizing paying for our own retiree insurance, paying those copays. Right. What else do we have? Well, we have uh, uh, we have a retirement enhancement fund, which acts like a 401k. Uh, the only major difference is individuals can't defer money into it. It's employer contributions only. Uh, but after those employer contributions come in, they're automatically put into an account on behalf of the member. We have a record keeper, uh, Fidelity Investments. And from there, it works pretty much like a 401k. There are different investment vehicles they can put it in. There are age-based funds that they can take advantage of if they want. Uh, and then when they retire, they can access those funds. So it, it, it basically, it's a 401k. It's a 401. Just the, o- the only difference, as I said, they can't defer their own money. Got it. Again, it's no it. money coming out of the member's check. So how, just as, as a means of example, how, what's that dollar uh, amount contribution right now from the employers to the member's 
403b to that to that retirement enhancement fund to that fund well under our heavy highway agreement i yeah. believe it's like three dollars and 65 cents an hour and what's the average man hours around 1900 per individual so We're talking about six over six thousand dollars a year going in going in and, and then your and then let's just assume you know uh, regular s&p you don't mess around with anything crazy you're gonna get you know average of seven eight nine percent a year right it, it historically it depends on the year yeah, but, but historically uh, but yeah members uh, in, yeah. in those uh, in those funds are, are earning a, a substantial return over yeah. time and they're building those funds up and they can use it now, and they, they have the benefit of longevity uh me yeah well if the, if they start today for yeah. sure and and compound and compounding mm-hmm. right and you know those monies pay dividends right and those dividends get reinvested for them so you know i've done this math i've done some napkin math when, if you start, you know, you know, we've been talking about like having kids come from high school and go right into the trades. Number one, you start earning immediately. Number two, you don't have debt. Number three, you have a really lengthy career, right? You got thirty years of that money going into that account, and you retire wealthy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when I talked earlier about our pension fund, our defined contribution benefit, and you know, on average, it's around five thousand. If you're a career operator, a 30-year guy that's mm-hmm. been in uh, the industry for the last 30 years and you're retired today, your benefit's more like 8000 That's amazing. Plus the 250000 that you have in your 403, which, by the way, that's barely even compounded. I don't know what that number would be, but it's probably closer to half a million, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that, that's a little high. Is that high? Yeah, that'll be high. Well, Take okay. it easy, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your investment but, but guy? Those, but those... Uh, Jim Sweeney. Probably, you know, the, the one difference there is that program started uh, later, much right, later. So right. those career operators have only been in it for about 15 years. Uh, but what happens if you... Started what are, but, but what happens... Oh, yeah, okay. So but uh, today, right, Tom? Just today, guy walking in the door and working for 30 years at this rate and that rate going up. Yeah. It's got to be. Those guys will have substantial accounts. Yeah. I don't know what... Uh, uh, loaf of bread's going to cost 30 years from now, but Good they're going to have a big pile of money to, to They don't eat bread. They'll have like soil and green or whatever. <laughs> soil and green, yeah. <laughs> simple. So, so we have all that, and then I, I, we're, we're running out of time. What's but, the moral uh, of the story? Join a union. Yep. <laughs> join a union, Sound form good. a union. And yes, also, by the way, these, for the nascent unions out there, go get this stuff. It's yep. achievable. Form a union. Yeah, for, a union. absolutely. Get a job at a place that you know has a union. And get all this stuff because it's there. You know, it's I keep watching you. these unions go like, oh, I just want 3% and, uh, you know, I want my work hours set. No, no, you're shooting low. Go high, yeah, right? W- wanting a good retirement, wanting a good life for yourself is not greedy. And that doesn't even include, Tom the doctor's offices that we've been opening right right Right. like we're literally opening our own doctor's offices how's that going that's it's we're knocking it out of the park with those ken Uh, you know uh, 10 plus years ago with obamacare and the number of insureds coming on the market uh, the the leaders of 150 and quite frankly the other trades recognized that there would be a shortage of healthcare providers today that number is over 20,000 there's 20,000 fewer primary care providers in this country needs and so the thought was we'll just build our own yeah and 2015, we opened our first one. 2019, we added another one over in Indiana. Today, we're on the precipice. By the end of this year, we'll have 15 open across our jurisdiction, wow. uh, which is just an outstanding uh, achievement. How much does it cost if you go there? Nothing. What? Nothing. <laughs> All the services are free at those health centers. And and quite frankly, you get much better care there. I just saw a recent study from Oxford where uh, an individual can expect to spend 9.7 minutes with your primary care provider if you walk in the door today in the community. In our health centers, that's 37 minutes. Wow. 
So not only are they treating what you walked in for, you got the sniffles, you got sure. flu, you got whatever. They're diving deeper to find out really what's making you tick and making sure they're giving you the best. And catching possible. things early, and then saving the fund money, and just providing better care. And you know, I know we've we've all used the doctor's offices, and it's not the doorknob medicine. And uh, when we use Premise Health, which is one of the sponsors of our show, it's been fantastic. Uh, we we got to cut it short. Um, but I really appreciate your coming in and, and really drilling down on, on these benefits because, you know, we, like you said, Ed, we're used to them. You know, we, we take it for granted. We grew up in them. Um, and a lot of people don't realize, like, exactly what's out there. So, you know, part of this is education, Tom, and, and uh, it's nice to hear it directly from somebody that knows what they're talking about as opposed to me that I just make up numbers. He does do that. <laughs> but thank you for coming. You've been, we've been talking to Tom Bernstein, the fund administrator with uh, uh, the Midwest Operating Engineers. Um, we will be back right here on the Workers' Mic 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher here with uh, Phil Davidson. Phil, you stepped out for that last segment, and Ken was here, but now Ken has mysteriously disappeared, so I have no explanation for any of this. Uh, so we're just going to keep on moving with the show. So that was an interesting segment with Tom Bernstein, and again, as always, we always want to thank him for, for coming in and uh, sharing his time with us and just being an all-around uh, great guest, funny guy, good guy. So thank you again, Tom. Um Wanted to get into a little bit. It's not the end of December yet, but we're getting pretty close. So I wanted, close. I wanted to talk a little bit of year in review um, with you. And I read, read a great column. It was a little more than a week ago. And uh, it was by the New York Times labor correspondent, labor columnist. His name's Noam Scheiber. And if you're into the things that we talk about on this show, I would encourage you to to check him out. Noam Scheiber's a... Um, you know, he's one of the best labor writers in the country, but he did. Um, and he's you know, based here. And he's based in Chicago. That's right. Uh, but he did a uh, sort of a 2023 a great year for labor um, article where he runs down some of the good and bad. And I wanted to review some of it and kind of add on to it as well. Um, but on the good side for 2023, he'd mentioned uh, that in 2022, uh, there were 300,000 new unionized workers, and that's likely to be an even bigger number this year. So there is continued growth in the unionized workforce. Um, you know, last year, the number was a little bit offset because so many people were coming back to work from uh, from COVID. So the actual rate of unionized workers is went down. Went down right. But um, but there was a, a total increase of about 300,000 new the unionized growth number members. Is, is going up. Yes. Yeah, and I think we can expect a, a larger jump this year because, um, you know, in in 2023, so far, it's a couple weeks to go, but there were 500,000 workers that were out on strike, roughly. A little bit more than that. Yeah, I saw that, yep. And that's double the number in 2022, where we had 250,000. And that was double the number in 2021. So every year, I mean, the, 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 the amount of striking workers... That's uh, explosive growth. That's absolutely true. And I think it... Um, you know, this year what we saw was a lot of strikes, but even bigger wins. Because yeah, whether you're talking about the actors or the UAW or the Teamsters, um, you know, any of these any of these groups, they didn't just go on strike, kind of languish for a month or two, and then go back with their, you know, their uh, their hands in their pockets, you know, with uh, with nothing to show for it. Everybody had big wins. Yeah, so, there was there was three hundred thousand workers on strike in october alone of this year right i mean that might have been more than 
the previous years combined. Yeah. Mean, we, we talked about 2023 early yeah. this year, and uh, Ken coined the term, it is the year of the worker. Yeah. And I think that uh, it proved to be true. Um, you know, in places like Starbucks, we were talking earlier about the growth of unionized stores that they've seen, and that's continuing to grow now. But uh, the challenge I think that's that's going to be faced by those workers is actually negotiating agreements because there are no no Starbucks that have accomplished a first agreement, um, and I think this speaks to you know some of the some of the challenges. There's, there's a good side of, the, of all this, and there's still some some challenges. And one of the challenges is that companies still have far too much leeway to you know go after workers and to harm workers and there's a lot of loopholes um that uh, that work in their favor so an example of this uh in 2017 tesla our favorite uh, automated car company out there good morning elon uh fired a worker yeah fired a worker uh for trying to you know talk about a union on the floor of the factory in 2021 four years later after investigating at the national labor relations board uh, found that this was illegal. They ordered that this guy be reinstated and be given back pay for all the work that he missed. So that's four years later. They say, rehire this guy and give him back pay. Tesla appealed it in federal court. They lost. They're continuing to appeal it today. So we're talking six years later. For one employee. One employee. Somebody said, hey, you know what? We should have a union here. He got fired, which yeah. is illegal. Yeah. You're, you're, you can't for fire a company someone with for- a- trillion dollar valuation right you can't just fire someone <laughs> for saying hey we should have a union that's a federally yeah. protected right for any worker in any workplace yes um and they did that and six years later this guy is still out of work so if companies can do that and they know that they can stretch it out for six years yeah maybe they don't do it just to 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 one worker maybe they do it to a whole bunch of workers like starbucks to a unit. shutting down 23 stores yeah um you know because what are the odds that there's actually going to be, um, you know, a penalty that outweighs the benefit? The benefit, of course, being, hey, we're going to scare people and we're going to show them. If you talk about this, we're going to fire you. It might be illegal, but what are you going to do? Sit at home for six years waiting for something good to happen? Is the union going to pay for six years? Yeah, as we talk about all the time, the, the, the deck is definitely stacked against the worker, unfortunately. Right. So a lot of this comes down to labor law. A lot of it comes down to regulations with the National Labor Relations Board. Um you know, there's there's a lot of reason for optimism because we've seen so much, um, you know, grassroots enthusiasm for this type of stuff from workers across the country in 2023. Um, but for the last couple of years, these years with explosive growth that we've been talking about, workers also have a cheerleader at the podium at the White House, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. president has, has taken the back of workers, walked a picket line with the UAW, yeah, uh, arguably is, the right, like the most union-friendly president in the history of the country, almost. I mean, yeah. I I haven't been around all that long, but he's he's done things that I've never seen yeah. from a president before. No, no. When you talk about Obama, I mean, he was pretty absent from any union causes during right. his term, and you know, certainly he did some things that, that were good for unions. But uh, I don't think you ever heard him even say the term union when he was on a on the stump speech. Or I think you're right. I <laughs> yeah, mean, it, he just sort of there was it was just a lot of he a walked lot of a fine talk. line there, right? And I think historically we've seen from from Democratic presidents a lot of commitments, a lot of you know, hey, we're going to be great for workers, we're going to create a lot of jobs, we're going to enhance rights, you know, support uh, support my campaign, and then you get elected and nothing happens. Correct, um, and certainly never showing up at an actual picket line and supporting workers. Well, that was like, the first. Yeah, Biden I think was the first president in American history to do yeah, that. So you got to give him credit for that. Uh, and on the other side, of course, under um, previous President Trump. Um, you know, the NLRB, the Labor Relations Board, 
oversees a lot of these little regulations that are kind of way down in the weeds for most people uh, as far as visibility, but carry a great deal of importance in, in how these things function, how union elections uh, function or are allowed to proceed or not, uh, and how workers and uh, you know more likely employers are penalized for, for going after workers that are trying to unionize. And under Trump, um, the NLRB was gutted and the people uh, that were put in charge of it and their general counsel were extremely anti-union. So, you know, with an election coming up next year, this sort of momentum that we're talking about is is approaching a crossroads. It can go one of two ways, I think, because we have a body of of, uh, of history to talk about from both of the people that are vying for this job. One of them has been very pro-union, has, you know, supported the growth of of workers, and one of them has, um, you know, done pretty much exactly the opposite. Yeah, stymied, least, stymied growth. Yeah, on the on the union front. So, um, so twenty twenty four will be a pretty consequential year. But as far as twenty twenty three has gone, I think it has lived up to its billing as uh, the year of the worker. Yeah, um, and I think the one, th- you know, quiver that the union mo- movement continues to have, uh, air on its quiver, is that um, families are still. You know, they're still behind the eight ball when it comes to uh, household income. I, right. I saw something that said uh, median household income adjusted for inflation has fallen nearly 5% in the past four years. So that's tragic. Uh, we need to correct that. But I think that is what's spurring uh, this continued renewed interest in, in unions and collective bargaining. It's like, yeah, I'm watching companies... Uh, continue to record record profits mm-hmm. uh, with with inflation happening. My income, I'm I'm losing money every year. Uh, how do we solve this? Well, I get better deals, I get better uh, benefits, I get better wages. And how to make that happen? I collectively bargain. I join a union. Um, right. So I think uh, you know it'll be it'll you know the, the the momentum could change if all of a sudden people start receiving record wage increases and uh, you know their wages are able to keep up with inflation, but. I don't really have much hope or optimism for that in the next decades. So I think that, um, you know, that's what continues to provide the wind uh, behind the sails of the labor movement of like, yeah, these, if you feel like you're not earning what you're, you should be earning and what you're capable of earning and enough to take care of yourself and your family, if you have one, like this is the time to organize. And I think uh, I don't anticipate any stoppage in this momentum in the next 10 years ahead you know right. I, I think it's only going to continue to increase so um yeah hopefully this year was a uh you know a first in uh, what's many to come um in in terms of bringing on more and more people in the into the labor movement and um continuing the fight and, and representing the working class right on yeah well said yeah, yeah. success breeds more success yep. so hopefully we'll see this and Things aren't getting cheaper. It's not getting any easier to keep up with the cost of things. So I think you're right. People yeah. are uh, are going to be asking for more just in just in you have to trying to just keep <laughs> right. up, not get ahead, but just keep up. So right. Um, the one thing you can point to is that union workers make more than non-union workers. That is no that's, that's gospel. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no disputing that. Yeah, and there's a, just an unrivaled track record of Correct. that. So. All right, well, we are out of time, um, but we'll be back next week here on The Worker's Mic on 720 WGN. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.